1: Welcome to the roto Fantasy Football Podcast, Wednesday edition. It's Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports, along with my partner in crime, John McKechnie. I'm not even going to try your Twitter account. I'll let you do that for you.
2: <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny McKechnie. That's spelled Johnny, just as you'd normally do it, with J-O-H-N-N-Y. And then McKex is M-C-K-E-C-H-S.
1: Is that really the normal way to do it? Because I've seen plenty of J-O-N-N-Ys. It's like that's how you say Johnny. Uh,
2: the, those are the non-believers. You got to have an H in 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 your Johns, otherwise, you know, we're gonna have some problems.
1: Okay, well, I mean, I'm gonna call you an expert on the John name. I, I think it's <laughs> probably fair to give you that title,
2: right? And you know, like there's there's plenty of names out there where, where, where the H can can get lost in the shuffle. Sarah is certainly an example of that. But I, I always I always trust other Johns that I meet when they ha- when they're uh, And they got H. We're breaking
1: down the name John a little bit too much on this. I
2: think there's a lot of ways that I phrase that, that like if Archer was in the room, he would would just be dying (laughs) because of the way I've, I mean, yeah, there are certain key phrases in there that uh, are going to sound embarrassing.
1: (laughs) All right, that's fine. We'll just move on to uh, something we're a little more comfortable with, some fantasy football knowledge for today. More so like last night into today, because there's a lot of things that are happening. A lot that's happened over the week that we know other people have discussed, so we didn't want to really hit that too hard. Mm-hmm. One of the big things that was announced today is that Devin Funches is apparently pushing Kelvin Benjamin for the number one receiver role. We talked about this last week in the podcast, and you kind of said that you liked Funches and I liked Benjamin, but I was saying that's okay. I think that there'll be enough for both of them. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking that Funches will overtake Benjamin for the number one job?
2: Well, I mean, based on the on the quote that that was sort of surround like wrapped up in that in that report, where you know it was basically saying that Funchess is where Kelvin needs to be, needs to where he needs to get to, and I think that's definitely an encouraging thing for Funchess. It, it's something that uh, if you weren't already in on Funchess, uh you better hop in now. Uh, I mean, this is a this is a type of report that draft Twitter people from like the 2015 draft, you know, 2014, uh, season, uh, they've been hammering that Funchess is going to be good eventually. And like, it's starting to really take off now. So I, I'm certainly aboard, uh, more so than I thought I would be because I, I watched a, a good bit of him at Michigan. wasn't blown away by his film in his last season, but that's you know that has to, more to do with just how bad Michigan was at that point. But I think you know it's starting to look like he's the real deal. And if they're if the coaching staff is comfortable with saying that he's literally pushing Benjamin for that number one spot, I mean, how else are you supposed to respond to that?
1: I think that's a good sign. And for the podcast listeners that don't really understand the room that we're actually recording this in. It's very small, kind of tucked away in the RotoWire office. We got some nice posters going on with the RotoWire banner, and we have a table here. Just one of those typical brown tables that you see at like a family reunion where all the food is slobbered on it by the end of the night. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you right now, this is, I will stand on this table and tell everyone in the world (laughs) this is why you need to wait on wide receiver because someone like Devin Funches you can have later on and still be able to produce a productive roster. So you you stack up in the running backs, you stack up even if you want to in the quarterbacks or tight and and you can wait on receiver because there's guys like Devin Funches, my boy Tyler Boyd we have a little bit of Tajay Sharp happening uh, oh, yeah. for the Titans too like you can find these guys later, and they can still be productive members of your like, wide receiver core on your fantasy team. I think Funches has a real shot to do well this season. I don't know if it means 1,000 yards, but I bet you it means they're on 10 touchdowns. Like, I, think it's, I think it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. And when we have a receiver that's producing those type of numbers, you can feel confident starting them, especially in non-PPR leagues, where you know, okay, Funches, the Panthers are a good offense. They're going to be in the red zone maybe three or four times a game, and Funches is going to get at least two looks at that time. Whether he capitalizes or not, I don't know. But I think that he's one of those guys that you can definitely have later on that you can feel confident starting as a number two or number three receiver. And I will stand on this very bland brown (laughs) table and tell everyone (laughs) that.
2: I like that. And I think you bring up another good point with with the the waiting on a receiver. And also, when when the wide receiver one on a given team and the perceived wide receiver one isn't really your – your Des Bryant, AJ Green, uh Antonio Brown, o- Odell Beckham types. You know, I feel like then that, that wide receiver role one role is a lot more up for grabs. And then when you see so it becomes less surprising uh that Funchus was able to to come up and take this from Benjamin because Benjamin, you know, he sat for a year and he, he's not the most explosive guy in the world. They've kind of similar uh size, a uh, frames uh But at the same time, I think Funchess has proven to look a little bit more explosive uh, than Benjamin. So he's kind of been able to come up and kind of take the candy from the baby, as it were.
1: It's funny that you mention all those uh, when you're rattling them off. The only offense that I wouldn't want the number two receiver on was the Cowboys. I I don't like Terrence Williams. I've never been a huge fan of his. Sure, But every one of those guys, I'm still looking at the number two and thinking that's a quality option to have on my team as a number two or number three receiver. And that's kind of the the NFL that we're in right now, where there's a lot of different number two receivers on teams that could be number two receivers or number three receivers on your fantasy team. Oh, yeah. And it, it's not bad. Like, you don't have to stack your team with the Elshans and the Dez's and the AJ like you did with your uh, your stake league team. But you don't have to do that. I mean, that's one way of doing it, but you don't have to. You
2: see how good Dez's look so far? I have. I feel and pretty I, smart. In my
1: dynasty team, <laughs> I'm very excited for it. I also am not excited that a guy with a fractured foot that had to have Lis Frank surgery uh, is potentially going to be like a, a star like a major point of my team too so like that there's sure. concerns with those number one guys and I'm saying you can still find value with the number twos on teams just like the Giants with uh, Sterling Shepard oh, yeah I mean we can pretend like Victor Cruz is the number two but we he's not like I'm he's done not pretending a four, uh, at this point so there's a lot of those offenses you can find value with the number two receivers as is the case with whoever ends up being the number two here F- uh, Funches or Benjamin
2: right and then uh what else we got here we got Matt Jones we got a couple kind of trendy running backs uh I'd say, I'd say Matt Jones was was trendier than than a guy like Deion Lewis but both of those guys uh you know starting to see that avalanche of attrition that we tend to see uh during the during the preseason as terrible as it always is it's almost inevitable I mean what's your reaction to it I think the Lewis one is certainly more concerning to the public uh the Matt Jones one just sort of opens his can of worms as to who the Redskins have behind him.
1: Well, I mean, this is something that's been beaten to death now, probably by this point, by a lot of different media members. So it's not really an area like, okay, we know Matt Jones is injury prone heading into this. A separate shoulder shoulder is not great. Deion Lewis, you know, second knee surgery, also not great. I loved him in a PPR league. I honestly would have had him higher in a PPR league than Matt Jones, um, which I guess probably isn't much of a surprise, but considering the Patriot running backs are always so... Ooh, I don't know what Bill Belichick is going to do this week. Sure, I still felt really confident with Lewis, and like in our dynasty league, I had him in the second round, and I I felt great about it. Now I'm like, okay, this sucks. Um, but to your point and kind of where we're going with this more, I really think that Keith Marshall and you had mentioned this last the last week in the podcast. So we have to give you credit on that. Keith Marshall is a guy that you should really be looking out for if you're if you're doing drafts now. I think he's somebody that is going to shoot up the draft boards because we're going to go ADPs in a little bit, like ESPN's ADP. He's not there yet. He's not shooting up yet. But I bet you by the time this weekend, next weekend, you're going to probably see him uh, pushing around the 10th round, 9th round, because I, I think Matt Jones isn't proven, and that scares some people. And Keith Marshall has a little bit of a name factor from college.
2: That's true. And uh, you also have to... You also have to consider the fact, or well, this weekend. This is this is something that we'll get into a little bit more later on. But it's week three of the preseason, and so that's when usually we see the starters for a little bit longer. What have you? Everyone knows that uh, it looks like Keith is going to kind of get the shot to to be uh, to work with the ones for the first half of Friday's game. So I that actually might be something that you know preseason you can only take so much from a given thing but that's something that you might actually want to you know make sure that you get a look at because uh keith has been a little bit slow to to really break out uh thus far this preseason he doesn't have a very good yards per carry average but you know this week he's it looks like he's going to get a lot of work he's so you you know prospective fantasy owners out there are definitely going to have a chance to get a long look at at what what they could be getting themselves into beyond matt jones
1: one player that I'm excited to have a long look at is going to be Corey Coleman. It's announced that he's going to be playing Friday for the Browns preseason game. I ended up trading Josh Gordon to my buddy after we talked about this last oh, week good. for Corey Coleman and a, a later round pick, more oh, of a toss and thing. So I'm really jacked. I was, I was on board with Coleman before this. I have him in a few other leagues, like just standard leagues, not dynasty formats. Of the Browns receivers, I really think that Corey Coleman is the one to own, um, not just for the future, but for now. Do you do you feel the same way, or am I just going a little too hog wild on your on Coleman?
2: No, I think I think you're probably right in the end. Uh, that, and we'll get into it a little bit more in a bit about what else the Browns have to offer at, re, at the receiver position. But it seems like Coleman is going to be the guy of the future. I mean, if if you're really counting on Josh Gordon at this point for uh, beyond like a week to week basis, even then. Uh, I don't I have a bridge to sell you yeah type of thing so I think Coleman definitely is the safest of the bunch and uh, you know we're gonna really like you said we're gonna get a nice uh, opportunity to get a long extended look at him on Friday uh, assuming that he, he's playing he's playing at 100 uh, percent now there's hamstring issues behind him I'm really excited to get a look at him because you know coming into the draft he was I thought he was uh, probably the best receiver in the draft by a fair margin. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be great. And he's definitely the Browns, uh, receiver to own at this point.
1: This first segment of the podcast is all about foreshadowing. It feels like, I feel like we're like a storybook where we're just foreshadowing everything that's going to happen later on. Um, I'm just going to say this now we're going to get to it in a bit, but if we are liking a certain other Browns receiver because he can run deep and catch passes, there is no reason in my mind that we shouldn't be liking Corey Coleman as well. I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll get to it a little bit more later on.
2: Well said. Yeah.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll break through a little bit the preseason action, but first I want to give a word to our sponsors, Maximum Fantasy Football. John, do you enjoy playing fantasy football for cash? Uh, you know what? I actually do. I'm surprised. This <laughs> stuns me, but you know what? That's great because I'm sure you're tired of the same game offerings for hosting sites, right? Yes. Well, that's great because you can check out MaximumFantasySports.com. They offer a variety of season-long and DFS fantasy football leagues with features no other website has and pays out 90% of the prize pool. Does your state prevent you from playing in a DFS league and you're not interested in a full season-long league? Well, that's great because uh, MFS runs monthly fantasy football leagues known as a four-week frenzy, and they're available for you. Forget salary cap leagues and use the online draft for all your full season and short-term leagues at Maximum Fantasy Sports. If private leagues interest you, register your own redraft and keeper leagues using options like in-game player changes, multi-team trades, team quarterbacks, bi-week rollover, and more. You can even run your survivor pools, confidence pools, pick'em pools, square pools for free at Sports.com. You have to join today. Love it. All right, so breaking down the preseason, it's week three. The granddaddy of them all. That's in my notes here, and I'm going to read it just like that. All it's right. the dress rehearsal, the oasis in the desert, the best fake football we're going to see. It's week three of the uh, preseason. Can you tell how excited I am right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's palpable. Uh, you know, the the table is shaking, the 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 oft-referenced table. Uh, it, you know, I'm not sure it's going to be able to hold up for the rest of the podcast, just based on our week three excitement here. I'm, I'm just
1: excited that mm-hmm. it's one more week until the actual regular season. I know right. this is the time when we're going to get all the starters in there, uh, and there's a lot of guys that we want to look at. But for me, it's just like, okay, we're almost there. We're almost to the promised land. We're almost to week one. I can't wait.
2: Yeah, it, it really is like that. And, uh, you know, when week four rolls along and nobody plays, it's almost like you don't even care anymore. Like we, You, you get enough... Uh, from week threes, like the first half of games, even though uh, it's still pretty sloppy and terrible for the most part, it's still just enough to kind of bridge the gap. Uh, and then, you know, obviously week four of the preseason is also week one of college football. So like by that point, we have made it. So this is really an exciting time.
1: Week four of the preseason always felt like to me when you go to a fancy dinner and it's like a three course meal thing and i i don't go to these ever like the three course meals culvers for me in the most part it's like <laughs> burgers french fries and ice cream uh, Right. so but no fancy meal you get that salad handed to you and that's like week four because i don't i don't touch a salad i just i don't <laughs> ca- i don't care i feel a little bad because they just hand it to me anyhow so i'll like pick through a little bit of the lettuce i'll look through the box scores a little bit mm-hmm. but i'm excited for the main meal oh yeah i'm excited for week one and then I get even more excited for the dessert in week two because it's not like an apple pie or something. And apple pies are awesome. But this is this is really off track. I'm going to try. I like it. Try to bring us back <laughs> onto it. There's a handful of players that we have not seen in the preseason that are going to be playing for week three that we know. So I'm going to rattle off just a plethora of names. Um, you tell me which one of these guys you're most excited to see in week three. OK. So we have Teddy Bridgewater hopefully playing. We have Coleman, uh, Corey Coleman, we just mentioned before. Ezekiel Elliott and Thomas Rawls are expected to play. Greg Olson's expected to you know have his way for the Panthers. Sure. We have Aaron Discount Double Check Rogers checking in for the Packers. Roethlisberger's Burger's apparently going to make an appearance. Odell Beckham has been cleared to pra- practice and he's going to be playing. And we even have Joe Flacco. So of these guys, who are you most looking forward to seeing?
2: Well. I, I think I'm most excited, as a Ravens fan, probably Joe Flacco. That's wrong. B- because he's coming off the knee. Obviously, that's wrong. But I probably <laughs> look at it the same way that you're looking at Rodgers, where it's like, all right, great, you're you're out there, you're in uniform, you have a helmet and pads on. Please please get off the
1: field. Not, not at all. <laughs> I mean, not at all, because I know I have an elite quarterback. No, but like... So I don't like, have to worry about
2: it. Oh, what, about, what happened to, like, Jordy Nelson
1: last year? I'm saying I have an elite quarterback, no. and I don't have to worry about why I'm fine. Like, it's... You know, you have another other hand, you know. I everything. feel
2: like we're we're speaking in different languages here. I'm talking about just not getting hurt and getting through the preseason. You just gotta take a low blow at me. Um, yes. my Super Bowl MVP quarterback who We all uh, have who, Super
1: Bowl MVP quarterbacks, John. Yeah,
2: mine just was more recent than yours.
1: Mine's better. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right, fine. So, as a Ravens fan, you're excited for Joe Flacco to return, and you're also excited him to get him off the field. For the fantasy fans who don't care about Flacco at all, see, I stop myself. Rightfully so.
3: Um,
2: who who are you liking? Uh, obviously, obviously, Coleman. Uh, we are both excited to see him. Uh, Zeke as well. Uh, I'm also. I'm curious about Bridgewater. Bridgewater's a guy that that we'll get into a little bit more again later on. It it's a bit of like a mystery as to as to why he didn't play last week, or it felt like it at the time. It, it just sort of this weird Paul was cast over that game where where uh, I forget who was Sean Hilder back up. He, I honestly don't know.
1: I'm trying to, that's how little I care about the Vikings offense. Fair
2: enough. Fair (laughs) enough. But you know, I worked the midnight shift on Thursday, so I'm like, you know, this is the only thing to watch. And it just felt strange to me that, that Bridgewater wasn't out there. And it, it just, no one really said anything. And then they said, maybe it was something with his shoulder. So I'm, I'm interested to see what all's going on with that. It feels it feels a little odd. Maybe things will have been resolved since then. We don't know yet. But that's something that I'll, I'll uh, watch with a raised eyebrow. Maybe
1: like I would, like I was saying that I'll stand on the table saying you need to take receivers late. I will stand even higher. I will jump on the table. I don't know what else you want me to do on this table. But I don't think Bridgewater is a top fifteen fantasy QB, and I wouldn't. I don't find it interest like. I know that they have weapons that they can throw to. Stephon Diggs is good. Laquan, Laquan Sherwell is good. Um, and we have Adrian Peterson too. I don't think that offense is built for Bridgewater to be successful for fantasy football. I say this as a Packer fan and I know it's going to make me look like I don't care about the, the Vikings or don't respect them. That's not the case at all. I think that they're a very good team and I think they're going to win a lot of games. I don't think for fantasy purposes, Bridgewater is someone I really want to watch or care about. I think for me, out of those guys that are coming back, the one I'm most excited for is Thomas Rawls. I mean, we had talked last podcast for a pretty big time. Uh, Christine Michael, we just, we're just we done with it. I'm, I'm done with it. I want to see Rawls out there competing for the spot, showing that he is still the guy that we saw last year. The, I mean, the ankle injury was scary, and mm-hmm. it was a big deal, but he was a really, really good running back and i think people are forgetting that
2: i know and then you know you toss in the fact that, that all this michael love is is also coinciding with uh unfortunately probably time to to uh back off the cj prosize a little bit to be honest with you guys uh he's a guy that just seems to have have been lost in the shuffle and you know he's still missing missing time at this point uh, i i'm just not sure that he's going to be able to get on the field and provide any sort of fantasy value even if you, you know if he's a, a waiver wire or last round uh type of selection i'm just i'm probably backing off of him quite a bit uh compared to where i was uh earlier in this draft season where i took him i think maybe in the 10th round of the Vegas league mm. so, somewhere in that range uh but then this mr christine michael mm. very very upset about that
1: We'll move past the players coming back from preseason. I guess I wasn't so much focused on that when we were putting this podcast together, but I was thinking, what games in general in Week 3 am I looking forward to seeing? We're going to see, like, most of the starters. I mean, they're going to be playing the majority of the people. There was three games that I picked out that I thought would be very good to watch for fantasy purposes, first being the Steelers game. There's a big conundrum as to who's going to be really the second receiver for the Steelers. I mean, with Martavius Bryant suspended... We're trying to figure out who's going to play Eli Rogers, Marcus Wheaton, or Sammy
2: Coates. Ooh, that's just a ragtag bunch right there. Uh,
1: but I think that in the Steelers' offense, that's going to be a pretty prominent uh, battle to watch as far as which receiver you want to own. I, I don't know which one of those I want. I mean, it's not great. I don't feel. I wouldn't feel great about starting them if it was a number two receiver, three receiver, or flex kind of thing. But if no Ladarius Green, no Le'Veon Bell, rothlisberger has got to throw it. And you know he's gonna be throwing at somebody besides Antonio Brown. I mean, you just can't throw to him all the time. So someone's got to, to step up. And I, I am very interested to see which one of those three does.
2: Mario, uh, he's, you know, like obviously our our college football expert, but he's he knows what he's talking about when it comes to pro stuff as well, because he's seen all these guys before. He was kind of making a point on Twitter that, you know, if if Tywin ends up going with like an Eli Rogers type and goes away from his Sammy Coates you, like yes, Rodgers will be somewhat desirable like as a as a fantasy option, but he just thinks that the offense as a whole is going to suffer with like just the lack of of speed and athleticism and size that you know we'll will always be missing this season because of uh, Martavis Bryant's suspension, but you know if it if it ends up being this sort of wrong choice, like the, it kind of knocks this uh, the Steelers like supposedly you know, potentially record, record breaking offense, you know, kind of slows them down a little bit. I think overall, I think that, you know, we're, we're starting to see the potential where uh, all these losses can't be completely stomached by the Steelers.
1: And that's probably true. I think I'd be uh, naive for me to say that losing a guy like Bryant wouldn't affect the offense and losing guys like Le'Veon and Ladarius Green wouldn't affect it. But I'll counter and say that for, for a while, Bryant didn't play that often like we've we've there's a reason he's suspended for a year it's because he's been suspended before Mm -hmm. and green they didn't have last year to begin with like they made do with a heath miller who was just like eh, you know he's a 35 year old white dude he's
2: he's your lunch pail yeah so
1: i I loved heath miller i think he he could provide productive stuff for you fantasy wise but he wasn't anything nearly as athletic as ladarius is and Le'Veon, we've already seen what they can do when he's out, and that was okay. Like they were, they were still productive offense. Part of that's because D'Angelo Williams, it's the man. He's just awesome. I still, I still believe in the Steelers. I think that the receiver, the receiver spot there is definitely one to watch for, if you are looking for kind of a not, not so much a sleeper, but. Who can I plug and play just a little bit? And I think that one of those guys is going to step up.
2: I just I'm just not sold on Wheaton and Rodgers. and Coates Coates I think has like the high upside of the bunch, but uh he's got some some drop issues and things of that nature. Uh but if he can if he can just do like a like a seventy percent Martavis Bryant type of impression, like that would be awesome.
1: I think if other people could do seventy percent of Bryant, they would we would see a lot more uh, really, really good receivers that would be suspended for years. <laughs> I'm just going to move fair on point, from that. That's point. okay. The, another game that I'm looking forward to watching is the Bears-Chiefs game, and I it's more because I like to punish myself because, wow, <laughs> geez, why would anyone want to watch Alex Smith throw yeah. two-year passes? That being said, I really am excited to see what Jeremy Langford can do against... A, a good defense, a Chiefs defense. It's pretty good. They're not terrific. It's not like Broncos a la last year. But I think the Chiefs are still a productive defense. And if Jeremy Langford can be uh, successful, I'm thinking like ten carries, forty five yards, fifty yards. I'll feel a lot better heading into the season as my number two running back with Langford on on tax. Right. And I think Jamal Charles could have a potential of returning in this game. Like maybe if it's even five six plays, he's a guy we've talked about being. Late first round, early second round kind of guy, it'd be just great to ease my mind, sort of thing. We saw him
2: exactly. I think it, you know that that's a great point in, so, in sort of like checking the box. Uh, you know, this is this is, you know, for all intents and purposes, the the dress rehearsal in a way. So, like, if you see Langford uh picking up chunk yardage against a, a Chiefs defense that's that's very solid right you you feel a little bit better about about your Langford ownership, or even you know like you said, if you got Charles out there for for a handful of plays for a series, what have you you're like all right he his knee is is ready enough to wear the coaching staff even on a limited basis. Was comfortable with putting him out there right so that yeah those are definitely that's definitely uh, definitely one facet or one way of of uh watching week three that makes it a little bit more palatable is you know you're sort of checking the boxes on on your own you know suspicions or or desires and what you've wanted to see uh prior to the season
1: that that being said it's too early in the season for me to say if langford doesn't do well against the chiefs that i'm going to feel like I have to drop all shares of him. Like, oh, sure. I know, I know that um, there's still things I have to kind of grind out as the Bears' offense gets going. I mean, Kevin White hasn't been that effective. Elshon Jeffries has been a little hurt, a little whiny, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> and we we're not. I don't think we're seeing the full capability of what the Bears can do, even with a pouty Jay Cutler throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. And I, the same goes for Jamal Charles. Like If he doesn't play, that doesn't mean I'm going to drop him down anymore. I think you're drafting him late first, early second, as the potential of what he can be in the Chiefs' offense. It mm-hmm. just would be nice. It would yeah. be nice to see that. Exactly. Last game on my, my docket that I'm excited to watch, and I'll probably end up watching the majority of this because my fiancé is a huge Colts fan. That's right. Uh, Colts against Eagles. And this show, again, all about foreshadowing, so we'll, we'll get to it a little bit more, but I'm really excited to see what Andrew Luck can do against the Eagles. I know they're not a great secondary, but I want to see what he can do with the weapons in hand.
2: Yeah, because because, you know, not only are you watching luck, but you also probably get to take a longer look at at guys that uh, we haven't seen quite as much that people are very high on, you know, like your Dante Moncriefs or your Philip Dorsets, guys that are are ready to kind of step into the, to very prominent roles in that offense. And, you know, Indianapolis was able to march down the field with luck. Uh, pretty easily uh, in in their first drive last weekend it kind of stalled out at the end of the first drive but you know the fact of the matter was they're pushing the ball so that you know that was good to see and you you know we're going to see we're going to get an extended look at it so that's definitely a game uh, to really uh, target and you know get get your popcorn out for Andrew Luck because you know he's probably going to shred up the Eagles pretty good but uh, before we get into uh, the main part of our of our show here, we're, we're talking ADPs and the movement, ADPs. Uh, I got a message for you guys from our, from our friends at Drive Sober. Now, nobody ever gets in their car thinking, I'm drunk, I'm driving, and I'm going to kill someone tonight. They might think, I've had a few drinks, but I'm okay to drive. Or, I only live a few minutes from here. Or, I've gotten away with this plenty of times. And they think that right up until that moment when they kill someone, Thinking like that is why each year on average, more than 10,000 people are killed by drunk drivers. So if you ever wondered why the cops are are busting drunk drivers, well, there are 10,000 reasons why. And that's why they step up enforcements during times like holidays and when they know people are drinking more. They're trying to save lives, thousands and thousands of lives. And they're doing it all across the country. So believe me, cops are out there cracking down on drunk drivers, and they'll see you before you see them. So drive sober or get pulled over.
1: With that being said, let's move right into our drive sober or get pulled over safe sleeper pick. Many of us will be downing beers at our fantasy football drafts, like we do, which leads to bad decisions in the later rounds or worse, decisions getting behind the wheel after the draft. So today's safe sleeper pick is going to be, who else? Tyler Boyd. Our guy. He's been our guy for a little while, or at least my guy. Um, You're converting a little bit, it feels like.
2: A little bit. I've, I've gotten the full 180. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, I've been saying
1: for a while now that Tyler Boyd's main competition for the Bengals receiver number two role was Brandon LaFell. And the last time Brandon LaFell won anything was back in like the Bush administration. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to make <laughs> up some silly analogy, but I can't even think of it. That's how bad Brandon LaFell has been. It was never a contest in my mind that Brandon LaFell was going to be the number three, number four, number five receiver, whatever it ends up being. Mm-hmm. But what was in discussion was Tyler Boyd being number two. And reports came out today that the Bengals have more than likely decided that he's going to be the number two receiver. And we've discussed this before, but I'll repeat to the listeners again who are still watching me yell on top of the table, Tyler Boyd can be had later on. And he's going to be in a productive offense. I mean, just think about last year when they had AJ Green and Tyler Eifert. They still had Sanu. They still had um, Marvin, Marvin Jones, Jones, and they were both putting up productive numbers. Now they weren't number ones, obviously, but number two, number three, fantasy, especially in deeper leagues, that's terrific to have someone like Tyler Boyd.
2: Oh yeah. So and and with with Boyd, you know, my sort of hesitation with him was like I wasn't sold on his skills uh, skill set, in the, as far as I'm translating to the pros versus some of the other receivers that were that ended up being drafted around him. But uh obviously the Bengals, they are smarter than I am. Uh that is shocker. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is not shocking at all. But uh it is the it is the truth. And uh Boyd Boyd really has uh, impressed me with how he's looked uh thus far in, in the preseason games and everything I've heard in camp. So I am sold that he's gonna be legit. I mean I, my only hang up was 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 not with Lafelle. It, it was really just like is he ready to be a starting receiver in this league? And it seems like the answer is yes. And, uh, with that, I mean, you, he's gotta be a guy that you're targeting, uh, maybe as like, as like, a maybe your wide receiver two wide receiver three, something like that. And, and, you know, I think it's going to really pay off this year. I, I think he's going to have a great year.
1: I agree with you. Um, my, my only thing is I'll, I'll caution listeners and users that, Rookie receivers don't tend to do very well in fantasy football, like the, the first year. It just it, it doesn't happen very often. We had that great class, of like Mike Evans and Sammy Watkins, and felt like thirteen other receivers that all yeah, put up a thousand rays into. Yeah, they're all so good, and it's it's just not common for that to happen. So. Boyd might have a transition period where he just isn't that great. I don't think he's ever going to be an Allen Robinson kind of guy where second year he just explodes. But in PPR leagues especially, I think that he could have a real impact. Like, I think 800 receiving yards, 60, 70 catches, and maybe four or five touchdowns. I don't know. But that's those are quality numbers for me, especially when you're going to get him in the back half of your draft.
2: Yeah, I think that for, for me the, te- the team context is also huge because, you know, like you said, we don't have Marvin Jones or Muhammad Sanu anymore to to take away targets uh eifert uh you know he just started jogging i think the other day <laughs> yeah, woo. so ooh exciting Same stuff here.
1: i just started jogging too <laughs> yeah,
2: right so four it, we're, years. We're, we're a ways away for, from being ready to step onto an nfl field here so <laughs> i mean and boyd he's in this productive offense some of these other rookie receivers that are drafted really high also always have the the problem of being on bad teams and usually bad teams have bad quarterbacks it's just not the case with the Bengals. The Bengals have a really good offense, and dare I say it, they have a good quarterback.
1: I think Andy Dalton is a good quarterback, and we've talked about this before. I'm not going to go into it too much more. I, I think he's a good quarterback, especially when he's not breaking his thumb, tackling defenders. He's a good quarterback. He's not a great defensive guy, but good quarterback.
2: <laughs> yeah, you definitely aren't drafting him for his defense, but uh, when it, when he's got the ball in his hands, it's, uh, it's pretty good, but... um. With that, that was our that was our safe sleeper pick of the week. Uh, now we're going to get into our main segment. We're going to have some fun with some ADPs. Uh, you know, I was just kind of messing around uh, this past week, and I thought it'd be interesting to look in the reaction after week two of the preseason. Who's shooting up ADP wise on ESPN? We're using ESPN as our, as our uh, source here. Who's shooting up? Uh, who's falling down? Uh, in both snake and auction value, so uh, Joe, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. I'm a guinea pig. Yes. All right. Who would you think uh, are some of the bigger risers uh, over the last seven days, according to ESPN.com?
1: Okay, so without looking at this, I would have thought that our boy, our uh, drive sober, get pulled over, safe sleeper, pick Tyler Boyd. I thought he would be one of them. I I think that I mean we've talked about it before and we're going to keep talking about it until you guys start drafting him higher.
2: Yeah, he's definitely for whatever reason he is not on the, on this list. I don't know how. I mean, I'm surprised too. Yeah, I, I would have thought he'd be one of those guys. Another one I would have thought
1: would be uh, James White, the backup running back for the Patriots, who's probably going to get an extended look now with. Um, with Deion Lewis out, I mean, I know the other guys in the podcast have talked about him before. I won't go over him too much more, but I think he's going to see a rise.
2: A rise of nearly 36 picks wow. uh, okay. in, in a standard draft over the last seven days. Uh, so he's up to pick number 134 now.
1: So that would be the 13th round in the 10-team league. Correct. Okay. And I think that's fine. I, if Even if it's not a PPR league, I think PPR, he, he's 9th, 10th round for yeah, sure. better than that. Right. right. And I, I'm not a huge LeGarrette Blount fan, so I— who Who is? And I think he is. I think he's a fan of himself. I don't know. He's a fan of Blunt's, too. Le'Veon Bell's a fan of him <laughs> himself. You can't say that when I'm talking. <laughs> now you're just going to make me laugh out loud. I can't have that when we're doing the podcast. That's not going to work. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you should be. Uh, so I, I think James White would be another guy. Uh, and the last one I would have thought that would be a big riser would be uh, Taj. I'm always going to say his name wrong. He's going to be one of those guys I just can't ever say right. But uh, Tajay Sharp or Taj Sharp?
2: Tajay Sharp.
1: Tajay Sharp. So, See, I feel like I'm putting the emphasis on the Todd. I shouldn't.
2: If he's um he's for whatever reason kind of stayed neutral or at around one seventy ADP. Um, I don't know why that hasn't gone up when, you know, especially after DGB left, you would assume that he's he's gonna be a guy that's shooting up uh for whatever reason, I
1: thought it would be because he got targeted 14 straight times in the Titans last preseason game. I'm kind of kidding. It was actually six, but still like he had six catches for 60 yards and Mariota only threw to him.
2: Okay, riddle me this. Why then is Rashard Matthews skyrocketing up 30 position, draft positions? My only
1: thing is that uh, people switched the names around in the box score.
2: They like must have. Just that's got to be it.
1: Sharp. I don't know who he is. He must. Oh, Matthew's the one who put up sixty yards. These guys that are doing that apparently have gruff accents. I don't know why. I've decided <laughs> that's the case, but that's how that happens.
2: That's how people that hate UMass sound because that that's the only reason why you wouldn't take Tajay Sharp, rookie out of UMass, obviously, uh, over over doing. Rashard Matthews. I mean that that just is a complete head scratcher to me. A couple other guys uh, here that that have been really uh, skyrocketing up. The uh ADP draft boards. Uh we got your guy that we alluded to earlier, Cleveland Browns. What's his name? I'm not gonna name him. Don't call him my guy. <laughs> I don't I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. He's the antithesis of Joe's guy. He's
1: not my guy at all.
2: He's uh he's your guy that you're uh he's the he's the source of your ire today. He's uh you may know him as Ohio State former quarterback slash journeyman. Uh, Terrell Pryor, uh, he made one. He's he's had a few good plays in preseason, and that I guess has warranted in the public's eye a 34 draft slot boost uh, in his ADP over the last week. I feel like you're just trying to get me going. Like this a little bit, this man. Is,
1: this isn't. He's not my guy, and I and I say that as a Badger fan. I say that as a Packer fan who watched him catch a 60 yard bomb on the first preseason game of the Browns' played. I he. He doesn't have talent. He doesn't have talent to be a starting receiver. And I don't understand how you can go ahead and raise him up almost four round spots because, oh, he's the other starting receiver on the Browns. Like, that's not a confidence thing for me. I'm not even great about Corey Coleman, but you're telling me I'm supposed to be rostering in the 14th round where I could be getting backup running backs like Booker or we even talk about White. I'm supposed to be taking the former quarterback that just figured out he could be a receiver now and can only run straight lines Terrell Pryor.
2: And you know what I think is interesting about that is that it's married to the guy that's the number one on the on the uh, risers rg3 yes because he's up the, 43 uh draft positions rg3 now, so the
1: quarterback can only throw straight apparently and throw it 60 yards is going to be definitely top yeah that's totally bankable
2: you that that's something that can happen on every single down in the nfl just him just throwing 60 yard bombs completing him to terrell prior of i'm course. fine
1: taking a gamble on rg3 and here's why because i think you get the name value first so that's automatically going to bump it up a little bit when you're when you're looking at the ESPN sure. adps especially espn adp you're going to see that a little bit more but he 's such a he was such a tantalizing prospect for fantasy purposes as a quarterback in his rookie year with the Redskins, whether it was running whether it was throwing he was amazing so if you could even capture a glimpse of that r g three from his rookie year he 's maybe a top fifteen guy maybe a top twelve and you 're getting him in the second to last round or like fifteenth round in your drafts. whatever it ends up being mm-hmm. i think that 's okay to take a gamble on like I get that, but there are so many other receivers that I would want from other teams besides the browns than a and Taken into account he's a converted quarterback, like that's just astounding to me. That Pryor's the one, like of all the like skill players, that's jumped up as high as he has.
2: What is it in the water in Columbus in Ohio exactly where quarterbacks? Don't even get just- me
1: started on no. Oh. <laughs> keep going,
2: keep going. I know where you're going with this, where, but keep going. Where they think you know, just because you played quarterback at Ohio State, suddenly you can play receiver. Uh, Braxton Miller, looking at you.
1: Yeah, I I figure that's where you're going with that, and I I don't even like their first round pick, Will Fuller, much less Braxton Miller. I don't know why people think that that's okay, like just because you're six five and can run kind of fast and have a big body, that apparently means that you can play a receiver in the NFL after having never done that in your whole collegiate career. Exactly. Where one of the best coaches, and I say that again as a Badger fan, Urban Meyer, would have probably put you at the receiver spot initially if he thought you could be a receiver, not only because he had a log jam with like four quarterbacks that all could be starters in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a a fair point. And Braxton, obviously, he had the the shoulder thing that kind of uh, nixed the quarterback thing and for for prior is more of him just kind of washing out at the position but banking on his athleticism uh kudos f- to him for getting this far kudos yes, to him for, for having us spe- spending this much time on him uh, but you know at the same time he he is a guy that i'm i'm probably just not gonna have any shares of because i mean this is this is flash in the pan this is like stuff that you dream about on madden oh, but yeah. like it's not something that it's bankable in reality or fantasy reality for that matter I would gladly so
1: gladly let someone take prior just sure oh yeah go
2: for it yeah
1: waste a roster spot even if he works out and i'll i'll be the first one to admit i'm wrong because i'm i'm always wrong that's something i've got down you know for years i've got that down if if he's good okay fine great i i missed out on a 14th round receiver that will be maybe top 30 by the end of the year oh, darn i bet you i'll be able to find a few more other than that yeah who don't have a biggest gamble as prior would be
2: yeah i think like the the perceived like ceiling versus like what he could actually do at like the apex of like best case scenario type stuff. I mean there's such a like a void there in in terms of uh, reality versus uh, perception that I mean it's it's something that just boggles my mind that that people are this hot like ready to go on Terrell Pryor at this point. Uh, a couple other guys that that uh, we should note are are going up draft boards uh, Ben Watson uh, from the Ravens, Kamar Aiken from the Ravens. Uh, Charles Clay from the Bills, Richard Matthews from the Titans and Bruce Ellington of the 49ers. Any reaction to those guys? I mean, those are all sort of that's a kind of a bland bunch there. Does it you got any hot takes from there? I wish that you give a sound
1: that would like rolling eyes. Like I don't know what a <laughs> sound rolling, rolling out of your kind eyes. of want to just go <laughs> you know, like that's the sound that I want for that. I again, um, I know that none of these guys are going to be like real difference makers. I think Kamari Aikman could be someone that you can like play in, okay on a bye week. You can have him start. Like I get that, and I I know these other guys. They're all late round picks, so of course they're rising up. It's just going to be someone you take as flyers, and at least they're playing. Like that's that's good. At least they have prominent playing stuff. I'm not particularly high in any of these guys.
2: No, and they're they're. I mean, for me. Uh, Bruce Ellington is the guy that I'm at least a little bit excited about because I think that his skill set fits the best in the Chip Kelly offense. I just think this is going to be a bad Chip Kelly offense because yeah. we're going to have Blaine Gabbert running it or Colin Kaepernick, a broken Colin Kaepernick. Uh, so, I mean, it, concepts will be the same. It just isn't going to be executed, right. executed well like at all. But, I mean, I'm going to get, I have some Ellington shares and I'm probably going to keep uh, collecting them. Uh, just kind of hoarding them. Maybe maybe they'll pay off. I'm hoping so, but uh, you know we'll have to see there. And then looking at some auction values, um, we got Bridgewater as one of the higher uh, auction value guys over the last seven days. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, he's up th- up th- about three dollars uh, f- over the last week. I mean these aren't very the auction value. Uh, inflation is very is very much more gradual uh, than what we see in, in the uh, standard uh, snake draft thing because I think more people that do snakes are a little bit more reactionary. I think auctions uh, tend to be a little bit more cautious and realistic about what's going on. So Bridgewater uh, moving on up. Uh, we got Brock Osweiler getting a little bit of love. Uh, Eddie Lacey, uh, he's, a, he's up to $33.6 now. He's up to what? Uh, $33.6. $33.6. Yep. Okay. all right, fine. So right. we can round up $34. All right, fine, $34. Um, looking down at other running backs in that area, uh, Shane Vereen has a full dollar now. Uh, so there's That's that. like a
1: band name. <laughs> <Shane> <laughs> and the full a- dollar is going to come on on Friday.
2: <laughs> Sorry. And then uh, rounding out the top 10, the next kind of notable running back here we got lamar miller uh rising up he's at 41.7 hold on hold on now so hmm? so you're telling me eddie lacy eddie lacy's 33
1: 34 if we're rounding up we're being generous today okay he's 34 yes and lamar miller is 41 he's closer to 42 i believe what the <laughs> heck america i i can't like I can't fathom this. I cannot fathom this, that Eddie Lacy is $34 and Lamar Miller is 41 42 whatever. I like Lamar Miller. Let's not get this, like, misconstrued. I like Lamar Miller. But Eddie Lacy was arguably the number one overall pick last year. And he flamed out for obvious weight-related issues mm-hmm. and just performance in general. Like, I get it. I get if you're scared off by Eddie Lacy. But to have Lamar Miller... Above Eddie Lacey by almost ten dollars is Man. ridiculous in my mind. Break it down. Lamar Miller was somebody that was not even the focal point on a Dolphins offense that, admittedly, was not that good. Right. Like, let's be completely blatantly off. Miller was fantastic when he touched the ball, but there was a reason the Dolphins didn't give him the ball, they Joe didn't think Philbin. he could be. Well, no. Well, I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe that's it, Dude. or maybe they just really want to talk about Ryan Tannehill. I'm not sure, but whatever the reason why Lamar Miller did not touch the ball, he has won over a thousand yards rushing once. Okay, and that was a thousand ninety nine. It's not like he got like fifteen hundred yards. It was a thousand ninety nine. Sure, he's a great pass catching back. I get it, but if we're drafting or we are auctioning Lamar Miller like he is going to be Arian Foster 2.0, I think that is ridiculous because that's what forty two dollars tells me. Right, is that Lamar Miller is supposed to be arian foster 2.0 and i don't think that's a reasonable thing to assume
2: that's yeah i mean that's fair i mean i think that i think what what really kind of tears it for me not so much that lamar miller is that expensive uh, i think that just auction values tend to get inflated when that when there's a little bit of pers- position scarcity at the top but I mean, for him to be that much more expensive than Lacey, like I'm going to go Lacey at that price instead of Miller, like every single time.
1: I think if it was just Lacey and Miller, 34 a piece, I would rather have Lacey because I think Lacey has done it before. I think that he's in a productive offense with the Packers, and I think that he's going to rebound in a contract year. And you're telling me that Lamar Miller getting paid with an offense that has Brock Osweiler, who I like as a quarterback, but we don't know anything about, right, is supposed to do... D- Ten dollars better than Eddie Lacy?
2: Yeah, that's a uh, that's a bit of an eyebrow raiser, America, and not get, in the PPR league either. Come on, now.
1: This is a standard league for ESPN, and you're having yeah. them ten dollars, America. You're ridiculous.
2: I got a, I got another one here. Another. Don't uh, do this to me, John. I got to. I got to. Now that now we're really on it. All right. So Cam Newton. Um uh, the the auction values on e- on standard ESPN auctions can be a little bit wonky. I understand that, but uh all right, so we got Cam far and away the highest. He's sitting at 31. Okay. Uh we're going to round out or we're going to drop down a few spots. Uh, Andrew Luck. He's the fourth overall. Yeah, he's going to be fourth t- he's
1: going to be a top 5 quarterback for sure.
2: Uh he is checking in at 13, so less than less than half of Newton's value.
1: Newton was 31.
2: Correct. And you're telling me luck is 13. Yes.
1: America, you're ridiculous. (laughs) I don't understand how you can let this happen. Friends... Friends of people in auction leagues don't let Cam Newton go for thirty over dollars. I, I feel like we're now going to have to start like a campaign where we don't have Cam Newton over thirty dollars. This is draw the line. This is what's wrong with America, John. (laughs) This is what's wrong with America that we overvalue an MVP quarterback. He was amazing. He was terrific. He was awesome. But it's so tough for someone to put up those level numbers again, and you're expecting him to do. What a running back! One in the case of Eddie Lacy, who I was just upset about, would be mm-hmm. doing that's a ridiculous price to pay. On like thirty dollars in itself is a is a you are ridiculous America kind of line. But then you look at Andrew Luck, who was far and away the number one quarterback last year, and just because he blew out his kidney, we're knocking him down almost twenty dollars compared to what Newton is. What is
2: wrong with that image? I mean, that the the drop off there. I mean especially we consider that like when you go for people in auctions you you want room to profit. Newton was probably worth like 31 maybe a few more dollars last year in his MVP season. Absolutely. So so you're already like not not getting any sort of return for for Newton if you're paying up $31 for him. And then you look at Luck. I don't understand why people jumped off so quickly on, on him. I mean like it wasn't all his fault. The turnovers have always been there. It's not like Last year is the first right. time he's ever thrown an interception. Like that's been Andrew Luck for a long, long time now, and for him to only be fourteen dollars when I think not only is is last year a bit of a fluke in terms of his health, but I think his receiving core last year was just sort of this mishmash. Like Ryan Grigson uh, doing too much and then just ruining everything as per usual. Um, so you know, bringing in a guy like Andre John, a decrepit Andre Johnson. Uh, He's gone now. He's out of the picture. And now we're gonna see some of the younger uh Indianapolis guys flourish. I mean, we're gonna see Moncrief. He's gonna be a stud this year. Everyone is in on him. If you're not in on him yet, uh take a gander because he, he's definitely gonna be worth it. And then uh Philip Dorsett, not as high on him, but he's I mean, he's better than than like the number five receiver on that team like like he kind of served as last year. I mean, he's gonna have a role with a guy like Luck, who's I mean, frankly he might be the number one quarterback when it's all said and done and again to your point about Newton uh we we took into account his uh his numbers last year and at Roto-Wire we projected him to have a little bit more passing yardage this year fair because he's getting uh better passing weapons but uh for him to we don't have him having another 35 to 10 touchdown ratio with 10 touchdowns on the ground because that's almost unheard of no I mean and like, you know what I'll, I'll you can't even stop. do that
1: let's let's put this into perspective America let's let's figure this out let's really look at the numbers here so Cam Newton's most passing yards he's ever done in a season was his rookie season where he threw for over 4,000 yards mm-hmm. last year in his MVP season he did not eclipse 4,000 yards he threw for 3,837 he threw for 35 touchdowns and 10 interceptions by far by far his best ratio that he has ever done
2: in his career. I mean, he doubled his touchdown uh, passes from the year before, basically. Right. And he, and he cut the down
1: the interceptions, too. And then he also ran for 10 touchdowns and 636 yards. We have talked about this before, that they are, the Panthers are not going to want to use their franchise quarterback in rushing situations like that for his career. He's 27 right now. He might still be running and be effective like that. They might still do the quarterback sneaks and goal lines where he flips over four defenders for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that won't stop this year, but soon. Soon it could. Whereas we look at Andrew Luck. And save for his last year or last season where he only played seven games. Two of his three years, he's thrown for over 4,000 yards. In his 2014 season, he threw for 4,761 yards. That's more than Cam Newton, 700 yards more than Cam Newton did in his career year. He threw for 40 touchdowns, Andrew Luck did, Mm -hmm. which was five more than what Cam Newton did in his MVP season. And oh, by the way, he also ran for three. So we're factoring the interceptions and, and fumbles from those two years. Like I sure. mean, that was that was a lot. And like you said, he's never not done that. That's been part of Andrew Luck's M.O. But to have Cam Newton be double the price of Andrew Luck is ridiculous. If Andrew Luck was 24, 25 on the ESPN auction draft, I would understand a little bit more. Like sure. I'd say, okay, maybe they're both overpriced, but if you want to have a good quarterback, fine. But to have Andrew Luck be less than double what Cam Newton is making is ridiculous to me and awful. And I blame this on America.
2: Yep. America, uh, we got some work to do before, before the season kicks off. Uh, you know, that's, all, that's a, pretty much all I got to say about it. America, you're ridiculous. We got to figure it out. Uh, we're trying to help here, but there's only so much you can do. You're the powers in your hands to, uh, move Cam Newton's average auction price down under $30. So Joe can sleep at night. it be great. It'd Please. be awesome. <laughs> so Moving on from there, we get we're gonna go into the fallers just a little bit here. Um, the biggest fallers, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, again that nefarious uh, shoulder thing, uh, dropping him fifty nine positions in uh, in snake drafts. So maybe maybe that just sort of catches up to where you thought he should be taken anyway, as a, as a sort of average at best.
1: That's interesting that he was a riser on the auction but a, a dropper in the snake kind of yeah, stuff. I, agree. I don't
2: understand how that works, but uh, you know, here we are. Um, yeah, so mostly oh, that was uh, that was just for quarterbacks here. It's a technical difficulty cuz I have lots of them. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Bridgewater I, was actually second second most in terms of the dropping. Uh, Dion Lewis, of course. For obvious reasons. Uh, the knee. Right. Uh, Victor Cruz, obvious reasons again. The health. Yeah. Um dgb Dorial green Beckham. it's a bit
1: of a surprise but i understand that because i i think that the titans shipping him off should have been assigned to fantasy owners like oh god yeah if the titans don't like him why should i <laughs> yeah,
2: that is that is an excellent way of putting that uh yeah if you can't if you can't hack it on the titans with Mariota, one of the best young quarterbacks uh then what what can you really do i mean apparently i saw that he was having trouble getting lined up as recently as this camp for the for the titans like
1: Come and on, I man. think if it was like even for a pick, like a, a fourth or fifth round pick, I think fantasy owners have been like, okay, well, the Eagles are invested in him. No, mm-hmm. they traded a backup lineman yeah. for, for, for Greenbackman. I it's fine. It's a buy, a little move for the Eagles. But if I'm a fantasy owner, you valued him as a backup lineman. That's, that's what I'm supposed to take from that. And we don't get to see that too often. Like The only time we really see correlation between what the team values is during the NFL draft. But we actually got to see what a team values for this player. It's a backup lineman. Right, I'm not taking see a, the field. I'm, yeah, I'm not taking the uh, to the, the second string receiver for the Eagles. Then if that's what they think he's worth,
2: no, no need. So then, following that up, uh, Josh Dachson. Uh, again, he's just going to be buried on the depth chart. Just no playing time this preseason. Maybe he'll be getting in for the last preseason game. We'll see there. Uh, Terrence West uh, dropping i I'd, I'd, i would just abandon ship on all the ravens running backs personally i think that's yeah. just, just a wasteland you're really just trying to uh play a game of whack-a-mole with four you know average at best running backs as far as fantasy production for the season is concerned um i want to probably end it on uh roberto aguayo uh i think to, that's a good one to end it on not to totally kick the man when he's down but like oh my god he's a second round draft pick and he can't make a kick you
1: know and it's it's not his fault like if the buccaneers would take him in the fifth round even like a normal team should have we would be like oh you know rookie kicker is not doing very well sure we might have to cut him no now the buccaneers have to like pretend like that's not a big concern and they have to bring in a mental coach to help aguayu <laughs> and they have to be Rooting for him to make a 50-yard field goal so they can get out of practice early, and that was, quote-unquote, the best confidence he's had in a long, long time.
2: Yikes. And this is uh, a guy
1: that never missed a field goal in college.
2: Never missed an extra point either, and I think he missed the first one he ever took in the NFL. Uh,
1: in the preseason. And again, it's the preseason, but... I don't blame you for not drafting Aguayo. I'm I did, and I'm going to cut him because I don't believe Smart. in keeping a kicker that misses half of his field goals. Nope. I think my favorite one because I know we have to go, but my favorite one was definitely the Steelers' defense being one of the biggest droppers. Again, America, you're ridiculous. Don't take a defense be- before like the second to third last round. That's that's it. You don't need to take one that early.
2: Yeah, like the the ending, like in the end, like the scoring output between the fifth fifth defense and like the 20th defense it's it's got to be negligible right i mean there's just like you're just splitting hairs at that point so there's no point when you can kind of take a flyer on on like some awesome late round guys that you know worth a lottery pick type of deal uh just to just to get a defense that's going to score seven more points for you than than uh Hmm, like, like the a, titans
1: yeah I, sure like the titans i mean if we're saying the steelers were the seventh or eighth best i could see the titans being 15 16 right and they'll get probably one or two more touchdowns because they play in andrew luck's division <laughs> and True. he'll probably throw an interception or fumble that's just what's going to happen i think that's ridiculous america i love you i hate you we really need to work on some things we're going to get back to you guys you next week i will potentially be out of town but we'll
2: see if we I can go not. ahead
1: yeah i know i'll miss you too well i'll i'm, see gonna, if I I'm can just get gonna back get in your though.
2: bag that's fair all right that's fair cool
1: well, yep. Yeah, uh, so that's that's going to do it for us. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter again um, and give us a shout out if you like the podcast. If you like me raging, please give me a shout out.
2: Yes, indeed. Yeah, please, uh, please let let Joe know what you thought of the rants, because, I mean, I thought that they were pretty tremendous. So in on that. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week.